Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to the Coast View. This is the show that celebrates the people who are making coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Today, I'm having a Coast View session with Anthony Wilson, the chairman, president, and CEO of Mississippi Power Company. Welcome to the Coast View Super Talk Studio, Anthony. Thank you, Ricky. Great to be here. And uh, congrats on the show. Thank, thank you, man. I appreciate it. You know, it's, it's been terrific for me, and I hope the audience as well, because we get an opportunity to really shine the light on people who are making a difference in coastal Mississippi. And in this particular case, I've really been looking forward to it, because in your role as the power company president and in your role as the chairman of the Coast Business Council, and you actually have the Mississippi Economic Council, you're going to be chairman starting in April. That's right. The opportunity to connect those dots and lead a conversation about the changing economy and why that's an important conversation, uh, I really look forward to having that. Um, the truth is we're number one region in the state. Yeah. But if we're not focused and do our homework and really pursue with incredible diligence um, – what these new changes need to be as it relates to our economy. There are other communities across the United States who get this stuff. Isn't that true? That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Gulf Coast uh, for years has mm. been the really the economic engine of mm-hmm. the state. Yep. And, um, you know, all it takes is a terrible hurricane or some other unexpected event, and it can, it can really hurt our economy uh, in, a, in a significant way. And when that happens, mm-hmm. it, dra- it can drag the whole state down. Ashley was on not long ago. He did a terrific job. Ashley Edwards, who is the um, president of the Gulf Coast Business Council, he talked about the creative class and the opportunities that creates for us. We're going to get into all that as we get into the third section of the show. Um, and I, but, I, but for that reason, though, I really look forward to having this conversation with you. And I hope people will, 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 will really pay attention today because these are the kind of leaders, these are the kind of conversations that we've got to have in order to keep Mississippi um, at, at the top of the heap as, as far as, you know, moving forward and having a conversation about, about uh, economic development. Yeah. Coastal Mississippi, as you pointed out, and as I've repeatedly pointed out, is extraordinarily important to the rest of the state. So um, I wanted to share with you, I, I worked at Mississippi Power Company early in my life, yeah. um, in, between, yeah. in between pre-med and being a paramedic and then ultimately getting a business degree. And I worked for Bobby Nichols. Did you ever know Bobby Nichols? I did know Bobby Nichols. You know, I I mentioned him in a conversation with Michael Sunderman uh, last week. Bobby was a great mentor for me early in my life, Um, especially after my father passed away. He gave me some great uh, advice that really kind of helped me see where I needed to go with my life. And one of the things he said to me that I never forgot was burning the midnight oil is so important. You know, working late, doing your homework, being diligent about where you want to go in your life. Um, Also, you know, I've I've had a – I've had relationships with with a number of Mississippi Power presidents, and just in in general, Mississippi Power leadership in the community has been incredible yeah. over a lot of years. Yeah, it's really important. It's, I mean, it's uh, it's been a great history of the company. It's we've always seen um, our involvement in the community as kind of a cornerstone of what the company's all about, mm-hmm. and um, 
certainly when I moved into the job, that was something that was important to me. Yes. As well, and, and you're and you're and we're going to get in that. You're a local boy, so yeah. Uh, yeah. That's 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 super exciting. And then also Anthony Deposi. I had the opportunity to work closely with Anthony yeah. after after the storm. Actually, before the storm, of course, but after the storm, we worked shoulder to shoulder together. And you know the role that that the power company played in just not just getting our our lights back on, but just really helping us think through strategically how do we recover from this mess that we're in. Mm-hmm. Anthony was a force to be reckoned with. I, I really enjoyed working closely with him. God bless his soul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I, I, you know, before we started this conversation this morning, I asked you, were you the first Coast Boy who had become president? I think you said 32 years, is that right? Yeah, 30 plus years 30? since a uh, Mississippian uh, has uh, held, the, held the role. Well, congratulations, yeah, that's awesome. I, I share that because at, at the Sun-Herald, I was the first local person to become yeah. president of the Sun-Herald. And it, you know, as you know, it's usually a numbers game. Southern companies are very big company, right? And it's not that you weren't qualified. There are just so many people standing in line for that next gig. Exactly. There's few of them, aren't there? Exactly. And there's only about uh, eight or ten of those roles across our entire footprint. How many employees? Uh, Thirty thousand plus. Yeah. At the time that that for me it was like twenty six thousand employees. Yeah. So you know, very similar situation. Uh, you had to be willing to leave, like I was willing yeah. to do, in order to have the chance to come back. Come back. And that was not an easy decision. <laughs> no, it wasn't. So why don't we do this? Let's let's. I, I think it's so cool that you grew up in Diaberville. Yeah. And uh, let's just take a little bit of your journey's ride for a second. So tell us about growing up in Diaberville. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I grew up in Diaberville when Diaberville was just a, a little uh, stop in the road, if you will, uh, and live lived in the same home my entire my entire youth. Uh, matter of fact, my mother still lives there. Uh, she is uh she's 86 years old now wow. and uh she is uh she is still running the show if you will <laughs> and uh really enjoyed growing up in the Abbeville. had great friends there still have those same friends uh, uh when i came back you know it's just like i never left uh i love those guys and mm-hmm. uh we we spend a time together now and and uh they are important to me then they're important to me now so you married a, a Croatian girl. I did, uh, like I did. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife, my wife Tanya was a Stanovich. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she grew up also in Biloxi on on uh, on Pass Pass Ferry Road, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, her family was uh, of Croatian descent, and uh, it's a great family. Uh, her grandmother Bessie Stanovich, I'll just say. Um, passed away last week oh. and she was 101 years old wow that's incredible and uh we celebrated her life uh friday well, and that's, that's, she, that's... she was a great influence along along the coast um so you um you went to mississippi state i did i did how did you decide you wanted to be an engineer well it's kind of a crazy story actually mm-hmm. uh, i worked my way through uh through high school and into uh, college working at Diablo, uh, working at a Del Champ food store. Really? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so uh, a friend of mine walked in one night and he says, hey, uh, I've just finished up uh, a great work session and I'm headed back to Mississippi State. And I said, well, well, what were you doing? He says, well, I was co-oping for Mississippi Power Company. And I said, well, what's a co-op? And he told me, you know, you go to school a semester and you work a semester and you, you're able to save money and, and pay your way through. I said, well, that'd be great. I'd love a job like that. He says, well, I don't think they fill my job. You ought to call about it. 
mm-hmm. and uh, and I did, and they interviewed me the next day actually, and uh, long story short, they said we're going to offer you this job. I said, man, that's great, and uh, we started filling out the paperwork, and he said uh, Gene Lowry was his name, a guy in our HR department, and he says. Uh, you know, to, to get this job, uh, you know, you, you got to be an engineer. And what made you decide to be an engineer? And I said, well, wasn't really planning to be one. He put his pencil down. He says, you need to be one or you can't get this job. I said, I'm one today. So uh, so anyway, it was, he says, you're serious? I said, absolutely. So we kept going. He says, well, what made you decide to go to Mississippi State? Is your dad or your mother or your granddad go to Mississippi State? And I says, well, actually, I was planning to go to University of South Alabama. He says, well, you can't take this job. This job is only through Mississippi State's co-op program. And I thought for just a second, I said, go dog. <laughs> Anthony, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, you know, it's, every single person that I've talked to is so interesting, had these moments in their lives. Yeah. I mean, these incredible moments that change where they go in their lives. Absolutely. It changes the trajectory of their lives. Yeah. Every single person tells that. Yeah. And what's interesting about this is that everyone has moments. And I guess ultimately the question is, are you ready when yours yeah. happens? That's right. You didn't hesitate, did you? No. I, you know, I call it inflection point. That yeah. was an inflection point. Uh, my dad was kind of ill at the time. I, I felt like I needed to stay somewhat close to the coast. So mm-hmm. that's why I was thinking you know, South Alabama. And, but this opportunity came up where I could actually work um, half the year and I'd be able to stay at home and, and be there with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I've turned out Mississippi Power was a great company. Uh, blessed to be associated with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then Mississippi State, I, I just couldn't have made a better decision than to, to go to Mississippi State. It so. all kind of fits together. It does. I did an internship at the Sun-Herald and never left. So yeah. you just you just never know, man. You just never know. So you, uh, so you joined Mississippi Power in this way and never left. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I never left Southern Company. Yeah. When I, when I finished school, I finished with electrical engineering degree and uh, went to work full time uh, when I got out in, in uh, Gulfport, actually. Mm-hmm. And I uh, worked there for uh, some period of time and, and uh, really loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just loved it. And uh, So what did you do? We're, we're coming up on the break, but let's finish this part of the conversation, and then we'll, we'll pick it up after the break. But what did you do in that particular, the first job that you had? The, the very first job was just out with customers. Oh, really? Yeah, spending yeah. time with customers. Yeah, what a yeah. great way to get started, though. The best way to get started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. does anything else matter? That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> So we're having a conversation with uh, Anthony Wilson, who is the president, CEO, and chairman of Mississippi Power, and he is incredibly involved in the community. Um, and I, I can't wait to get to that part of the conversation because there's there's so much to learn from Anthony and what's happening today, and we'll have to have him back to really zero in on some of the things that we're going to at least hit the headlines on today. So. When we come back, we'll start with he was at Mississippi Power and he's about to move to Atlanta with the opportunity to one day maybe come back. So after this break, we'll have continue our conversation with, with Anthony Wilson. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
Welcome back to Coastview. I have Anthony Wilson here from Mississippi Power. Uh, we're just having a great conversation about growing up in Diaberville, meeting a Croatian girl, becoming uh, an employee of Mississippi Power, uh, and then going to Mississippi State, yeah. getting his degree in engineering. He came back here, worked at Mississippi Power for a while, but then had an opportunity to go to Atlanta. Tell about that, and what? Tell us all about what happened in Atlanta. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I had worked here along the coast for I don't know five, ten years, and at various various offices of Mississippi Power Company, and uh, actually. Um, the truth is, one of my daughters, one of my daughters actually um, got cancer. Oh, God you know, bless sad you. To say. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. sad yeah. to say. Yeah. But she did really well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as often happens in cases like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. she kind of became known as the, the little girl who was sick. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want that to be her her label as mm-hmm. she grew up. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, she she did well and uh, an opportunity came up to move to Meridian and uh, with Mississippi Power mm-hmm. and we decided we'd leave the coast and that's a tough decision as you know Ricky yeah, uh, yeah. but we decided to, to leave the coast because we thought that'd be good for her mm-hmm. that'd be a good fresh start for her mm-hmm. and uh, we got up there and it was it was a wonderful place uh, to, to have a family uh, no one there knew she had been ill Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a great, it was a great time for us uh, as a family. And uh, then an opportunity, like you said, came up in Atlanta. And uh, I thought about going to Atlanta from time to time and, and thought, you know, at some point I'd want to do that. Um, but I had become, uh, I think, pretty, uh, pretty comfortable. I don't like that word, but I'd become a little comfortable in Meridian. And my wife, Tanya, told me, she said, you know, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. We need to make this move. We need to, to go and expand uh, kind of uh, the world for our daughters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we did. So we took that I, job in Georgia. I know that's got to be a tough decision. I can only imagine how something like that makes you insular to your family, that brings you so close together. And any move like that, at least you run the risk of there's risks yeah. associated with it. And you know that means you're going to be working harder, maybe away from the family more than you are now, and those, those are. But 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 I, I hear you that part of the decision was how. Can, what's the benefit of moving to Atlanta for your family as well, not just yeah. to you? Yeah, you know I I really believe that keeping your family at the forefront of what's going on mm-hmm. will that will always help you make good decisions, and uh, and it turned out that those were good decisions, and mm-hmm. and they were they were I think primary in deciding uh, to even go to Meridian and then go on to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, had, it really worked out well. well. Well, the truth is that when you experience something like that, and you don't need something like that to experience uh, to make you feel this way, but it does help you always remember what is important in life, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It really does. Man, thanks for sharing that. So you're off to Atlanta. Off to Atlanta. Um, such, a, such a huge city. Uh, big company up there. I moved actually to Georgia Power Company, which was uh, one of the subsidiaries of Southern Company, which owns Mississippi Power, Alabama Power, uh, Georgia Power, and gas several gas companies. It's a big company. Uh, but went to work for Georgia Power, and I worked in their and basically their external world, mm-hmm. uh, the regulatory world, and um, really liked it. Um, but wound up deciding, you know. 
my best path forward may be back in the uh, operations side of the world. My expertise was in distribution and transmission, and you know that's the lines on the side of the road and across the country. That, mm-hmm. You know that's that world, and uh, so I moved back into those roles as as senior officers and and uh, wound up being the chief operating officer for Georgia Power Company, uh, and had just great people all along the way. I mean, you know, like you and I have talked about before. Great people uh, really make all the difference in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was really fortunate to have some great people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and before uh, before too long, um, I was I was sitting in the chief operating officer's role, and and um, it was just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It really was. So, how long were you in Atlanta? Thirteen years. Wow, thirteen. Years. And then an opportunity came up to come back to Mississippi. It did. It sure did. Uh, yeah, I, I got that call, and, and, and it was a possibility that was coming down the road. And, and we really thought about it because, uh, once again, we, had, we were in a place, uh, in a role that we really liked. Uh, my family liked where we lived. Uh, kids had friends. Kids had friends. But, you know, the good, the good news is my kids were beginning to, to go off to college, mm-hmm. and uh, our, youngest, our youngest daughter was still in high school, but she only had one year left. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I really didn't have that as a uh, as a reason not to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, the, the conversation went back and forth for about a year, and um, finally, I decided it, it's it's what I needed to do. As a matter of fact, back here, uh, I had family here. My mother was still here, and my my wife's family was still here. And mm-hmm. and uh, as you know, you know, you you come back, and, and it's 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 those times where you begin to take care of your parents yeah yeah you know and so you go full circle you do and uh so for all those reasons and of course the role was an important one Mm -hmm. and it was timely Mm -hmm. so i felt like um it was god's way of saying you need to get back home so what 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 you came back what was your specific role when you first came back when i first came back it was into uh the president's role Mm -hmm. so I stayed in that role for about six months, and then mm-hmm. I, I became CEO. Holland was still CEO and chairman. Ed Holland, yeah. Ed, mm-hmm. Ed Holland was mm-hmm. still uh, CEO and chairman. Mm-hmm. And then about six months later, then I took over the, the remainder of. And the, what was that day? Remainder of the role, um, January one of sixteen. Wow, that's good. Yeah. So it's been an exciting four years for you. It has been. It's been a. It's been a busy four years. It really has. So did you immediately, I mean, you landed on the ground in, in the president's role. Did you immediately begin to figure out what your role is going to be in the community? Yeah. You know, like we talked about earlier, it's, historically, that has been a really important piece of the, of the role. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was my community. This is where I grew up. Uh, I love the coast to my core. Uh, I love Mississippi, and it was a it was a good it, it was just a good place to get back involved and in, and hopefully from that chair make a difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, was it was it the business council immediately? That's that's interesting. Uh, Ashley and I you mentioned Ashley yeah. earlier. Uh, he and I came into the roles at about the same time. Mm-hmm. actually and uh he and i met several times talking about uh, the council and and uh, also john harrison mm-hmm. uh the, the three of us were trying to decide you know 
what were the next steps? So J- John Harrison is the uh, CEO of Hancock Whitney, and Ashley Edwards, who actually worked with the governor on the recovery effort and ultimately landed as president of the Business Council, is someone I actually referred to as one of the young leaders of the storm. These are people that that were just young, bright young people who had significant roles in the aftermath of Katrina who have co- become extraordinarily important to the coast, and Ashley's one of them. If you didn't see the interview with Ashley or the conversation with Ashley, you can go to the Facebook page and take a look at it. It's a fascinating conversation. But it's awesome to think that you two landed at almost the same time and began shoulder to shoulder almost immediately, you know, working on where do we go from here? Yeah. At that point, uh, the Gulf Coast Business Council had uh, the, the membership had really fallen off. That's and because Katrina was because the focus for so long, and for now so it's, long. it was time to shift gears. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, transitions are difficult to, to map out. They're difficult to make. And we had to do that. We had to transition out of this organization that was singularly focused on Katrina and recovery to one that's broader than that, mm-hmm. to one that's looking at the really the, the regional economic health of the Gulf Coast. And... Um, you know, that transition has taken us about three years to do. But mm. yeah, I could not be more proud of where the really the business council is today. We have uh, more members, more active members. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're stronger financially than we've ever been in mm-hmm. the history of the council. Mm-hmm. So we we're really pleased about that. The council represents companies and organizations that represent about 70% of the workforce on the Gulf Coast. So that is a huge piece, a mm. huge piece of the uh, of the work lives of just about the entire Gulf Coast. Well, in, in a little bit, we'll come back and, and talk more about tips and why okay. that's important. But right. it takes time to lay out the roadmap that's gonna, that everyone can buy into that's going to that's gonna result in a plan that we can all get aligned around right. because um, if we're if we're not aligned around it's hard to make it's hard to make progress yeah. we have an opportunity now because of the work that the business council has done to have clarity about the future so we can align people around the case for action and the case for action is after reading this is. plan is extraordinarily clear and hopefully we can we can we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get the headlines today we're going to come back with you right. and Ashley later and have a detailed conversation about the plan. Okay. So he was working in the community, but at the same time, you know, he was doing some things inside uh, Mississippi Power Company that he's really proud of. We're going to come back and talk about those two or three things that are important to us as customers, and then we'll uh, we'll shift gears and get a little bit deeper into tips and the and the Gulf Coast uh, Business Council after after this break. So uh, we've got Anthony Wilson from Mississippi Power, and we'll see you after the break. Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Twitter at SuperTalkMSGC. From the Singing River Electric and Coast Electric Newsroom. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald. And now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. We have Anthony Wilson here, who is the president, chairman, and CEO of Mississippi Power Company. And we've had a, just a terrific uh, uh, conversation this morning about his, his life journey from Diaberville to president of Mississippi Power Company. 
Um, we were we were beginning to get into some of his community work, and we're going to come back to that in this segment. But but before we get too far away from Mississippi Power Company, um, you've been involved in some very significant projects that are going to be really important to us as customers. So why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of the a lot of the conversation and, and work around the country uh, in the utility world is going around this whole concept of resiliency and uh, whether it's resiliency of the electric system from fires like you see in California or like hurricanes that you see here at home and around the Gulf and on the Atlantic coast. And we've been doing a lot of work associated with that in terms of what strategically, what can a utility do to help uh, fend off some of the ravages of of a, a bad storm. And of course, with a Katrina, it's so powerful. I don't know that there's any uh, engineering solution that's gonna that's gonna minimize that. But uh, for most hurricanes, fortunately, that we get here, they're not that they're not that catastrophic in nature. Uh, but they still take down a lot of the infrastructure. So, what can a utility do to begin to to defend itself against those type storms, the intermediate type storm? And um, We've been doing uh, a lot of the, I think, the groundwork for that, and that, you know, that's that's building stronger infrastructure, that's building uh, concrete uh, pole lines, that's putting uh, a lot of our infrastructure underground where it's in close proximity to the to the Gulf, um, that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And we're excited about uh, what what that will do for our customers uh, long term. How far along are you in this process? Uh, really, just just getting started mm-hmm, with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I can see that it would take a five, ten year effort to uh, to begin to make a real difference there. Because if you th- if you think about our our infrastructure, we have literally hundreds of thousands of poles, and the and the goal would not be to replace all of those, but be mm-hmm. strategic about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if along the coast, it, the work would be perhaps south of the interstate. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the most susceptible to a, to a, a direct impact storm. So that kind of stuff, uh, we think it we think it can make a difference, and we're going to be we're going to be working that way in conjunction with our with our public service commission. And they have a, a great interest, of course. Uh, it was interesting. I read a story. Uh, the most recent hurricane test that we had here in coastal Mississippi, the power company actually performed pretty well. That, which is to say that the rebuilding that took place after Katrina yeah. actually helped us a lot in and of itself without yes. the grid modernization process absolutely in a way you were sort of starting that process back then and now yeah. it's just much more rigorous that's right yeah. you know when Katrina hit I think the response was it really set a benchmark for all other responses to storms mm-hmm. uh, we we brought in 12,000 linemen from around North America mm-hmm. uh, to help us and uh, we got the lights back on in 12 days which is that was unheard of. It was. It really yeah. was. So what about AMI? Yeah, uh, automated meter infrastructure. And uh, that's a fancy way of saying uh, these meters will read themselves and send signals back to us. And we, in turn, will be able to send signals out uh, to our customers. So they'll know real time about uh, their usage. Uh, it allows us to uh, save a lot of costs. It's better for the environment. We don't have uh, any anybody going 
to the homes to read meters so you're not having truck rolls to do mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. um it's it's a huge technology advancement is really what it is and uh we're excited about that it's going to save millions and millions of dollars of course but i think what's really great about it is our customers are going to see a, a huge leap forward in technology and in what they'll be able to see on their phones so <laughs> okay yeah great stuff anything else about mississippi power before we shift gears no i, I could go on and on but we'll, <laughs> we better shift gears so we mentioned tips a couple of times and let's define what that is and why it's important and let's kind of go back to the beginning yeah. anthony because it connect its connection to the bp process and and start, let's start to connect the dots and help people understand why this is an important conversation for them to hear. Okay. Well, I think this story makes the most sense if we do back up a little ways. You know, we, we had the, uh, the BP economic damages money that was beginning to flow uh, to the state. And we, we, uh, we on the coast certainly felt like that the, all of those dollars, or certainly the majority of those dollars, needed to come back to the Gulf Coast. That's where the the greatest amount of economic damage actually occurred, of course, was here on the coast. And um, fortunately, we we were able to work through our coastal delegation, uh, our legislators who who I thought did a a great job, and pulled together a plan to bring back 75% of those dollars. We were not able to get 100%. It could have been zero, though. It could have, could have all gone into the general fund. People need to understand that. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. Ricky, you're absolutely yeah. right. Because that was, in fact, the debate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, if you, if you just do a, a simple math, there's a majority of legislators who vote who do not live on the coast. So their interest was to bring more of those dollars, of course, back closer to their, to their home districts. But our delegation, I think, uh, made a compelling case, and they worked shoulder to shoulder with the Gulf Coast Business Council to, to help do that. And, um, you know, the, the Philip Gunn, the Speaker of the House, was a great ally. Uh, Tate Reeves, who was the Lieutenant Governor at the time, was a huge ally. Um, you know, it's, it's and as was the Governor, Phil Bryant. Mm-hmm. So they they were all pulling together to help the coast uh, win those dollars back, if you will. And fortunately, we were able to do that. Mm-hmm. 75% of those dollars will flow to, the, to a fund for the Gulf Coast. And then 25% will flow uh, to the remainder of the state. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting now. But think about it. Now you have $30 million flowing into this fund per year for the next 15 years. So what are you going to do with those dollars? It would be really easy to to not be disciplined about how we would go about spending those dollars. The legislation that was passed, I think, was really good because it was very specific in terms of these are economic damage dollars, therefore they should be spent on projects that really had a good return that provided economic uh, expansion um, if you spend them here, here, and here, if you will. And um, 
So really? the so the goal so the goal just to be clear so people can understand why that's so important it would be so easy to just start funding projects so easy so easy, you know build this build that that doesn't really have a sustainability attached to them just it just we just dole out the money as opposed to projects that that can have a life of their own and create a return for the coast and be self-supporting and sustainable and add to the economic health of coastal Mississippi exactly and. If you look at if you look at potential projects that's on the list, they're not they're not bad projects in terms of you know they do good in those communities. That's, that's certainly not the point. But do they expand the economy? Do they grow jobs? Mm-hmm. Do they create um, tax receipts back to the state and back to the local communities? If they don't do that, then you're really taking economic damages dollars and then not creating any kind of economic expansion with those dollars and before you know it 15 years will have passed and we will not have any um, any expansion any new jobs any new uh, development any new uh, companies here that are hiring Mississippians mm-hmm. um, to show for those dollars so what you what you had what you're saying in, in summary is that the legislation was written in such a way that was rigor around return on investment, economic return on investment, and then ultimately how this connects with tips is that you can't go to where you're going if you if you don't know where you are now and you don't have a plan to where you're going. So you've got a roadmap now that connects the dots and uh, and gives you a context to evaluate projects in the future. So they connect with some sustainable future you know observation reality it's really reality isn't it it's reality so so talk about tips and, and what that is yeah let's let's go back because we determined we in in this context it was the Gulf Coast Business Council we decided that we would be since we're a regional organization we would be the the, the entity that is yeah, most yeah. well positioned to create a plan like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. How do we go about building that plan and how do we select who we would want to contract to do that plan? So that we'll, we'll come back, that's where we're gonna pick up when we come back from the break. But um, man, it takes, it takes a lot of committed people to lead a community. And I think one of the things I wanted to do with this show is continue to shed light on the number of volunteers. I mean, you're a volunteer. You're you're providing your leadership to the community. We can't have enough of yous in this conversation who see the big picture and are willing to to bring your strategic know-how to a conversation like this to help Coastal Mississippi improve and be better. Um, we're going to come back and pick yeah. up on tips after this break. Uh, we have Anthony Wilson, the, the CEO, President, and Chairman of Mississippi Power Company. It's a great time to be on the coast, and we love talking about it. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. We have Anthony Wilson here, who's the chairman, president, and CEO of Mississippi Power. And we're talking about his involvement in the Gulf Coast Business Council, the BP Money, and this program called TIPS. What does that stand for? Let's talk about it. Well, actually, TIPS is uh, the consultant that was actually okay. chosen. Is there a name for the plan? No. It's just no, it's, it's, a it's strategic our, plan it's, for it's coastal Mississippi. Coastal Mississippi. Yep. That's correct. Okay. Uh, but TIPS, let me tell you a little bit about them because yeah. I think that's important. Uh, 
the council put out a RFP to choose a consultant that could do this work for us uh, for the coast. And we, we interviewed a large number of folks, narrowed it down to about five, brought them in for interviews. TIPS is actually the consulting firm that, that won the work. They're out of Austin, Texas. They have done this kind of strategic work all over the United States. And uh, particularly, they've done a lot of meaningful work in communities that look like ours, coastal communities um, that, that have a lot of uh, potential, but for whatever reason has not reached their potential. And you know, that's us. Mm-hmm. I think our Gulf Coast is full of potential, mm-hmm. and we can do a lot of things. We're a great place to live today. I think it could be a better place to live tomorrow mm-hmm. if we make good choices today mm-hmm. about it. How significant are the future threats? You know, I, I think that I think the threats are real. Um, for for just as an example, you know, in the old days, uh, a, a new company would move into a community, and they would say, "I need fifty people to work here," and then fifty people would come to that location. That's not the way economic development works today. It what really happens today is companies look to where where are the people that could work here and I'm going to put my facility there. So in other words, the, 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 the economic development prospect, the company, chooses a community based on the people there, mm-hmm. not the other way around. And that is one of the biggest threats, I think, out there is for communities. They've got to recognize that. They've got to recognize that it, it, it is a competitive war out there to make sure that you get and sustain a workforce that uh, that is ready and able to fill mm-hmm. those jobs. You know, one of uh, I, I spent time in Alabama and had responsibility for the newspaper in Huntsville, and I got a chance to watch Huntsville in action, and that's one of our competitors. Mm-hmm. And buddy, they're serious. You know this. They are serious. So the, so the so the communities that we're competing against are they're out to win it in a very big way. And if we are not making adjustments to put ourselves in a position where we can win also, um, it's, it, you know, we're going to find ourselves getting further and further behind. What a, what a great opportunity for us. And we got a strong community college system, and we got we so many things going for us here. We, we do. Uh, <clears throat> you know, one, of the, one of the things that they talk mm-hmm. about is, is livability. Mm-hmm. Um, Tips called us at place. Mm-hmm. What about the place? Mm-hmm. And uh, do people want to live there? Mm-hmm. And what can you do to your community, to your place, to make it more attractive? Well, what gets focused on and what gets measured gets done. And if you have a plan that we can get aligned around as a community, uh, there's probably a bunch of different answers. But at the end of the day, we need to, we need to land somewhere and say, okay, this is our goal. And we're going to be better off as a community if doing it that way than if we just try to do it serendipitously you know that's not the way to to go forward anthony we're getting closer to the end of our time together i wanted to just ask you before we get get away too far um talk to me about the importance of of leadership in the community yeah you know i i think leadership whether you're talking about a company whether you're talking about your church whatever whatever kind of organization you're talking about leadership um it has a direct everyday impact on that entity. Same for our Gulf Coast, mm. same for any community. Uh, that's why it's so important for everybody, really, 
to look at their community and say, what's important to me? What is my skill set? And how can I jump in and, and try to make a difference? You know, you don't have to jump in at the top. You anywhere uh, mm-hmm. is that, that your skills and and more than that, your mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. is needed in our community for mm-hmm. it to be successful. And I would just encourage folks to jump in. Don't wait for the perfect spot because that spot may never come to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jump in where you have a passion, and then that will introduce you to more possibilities potentially. It does, and then you can move to the next thing. And before long, you might be leading one of these organizations. And you know, there's just so much. There's so much uh, need for uh, people to work in the nonprofit se- sector as volunteers. There's gaps to fill. There's just, and you know, we've, we're very fortunate here. We've got a strong nonprofit community. Uh, Katrina helped make that even stronger. Yeah. Um, but then again, there, you can't have enough volunteers. You can't have enough leaders who have d- put their reps in, who understand the big picture, and who are willing to give their incredibly valuable time right. to build a better community. That's right. And I know in your case, you're willing to do that. Thank you. Part of the reason you're willing to do it is because this is your home. What a, right. what a gift it is to us that we have someone who is from here as the president of the power company. Um, I wish we had more time together. Yeah. <clears throat> we, you know, we never have enough time. But we're going to come back. Uh, I think the conversation that you and Ashley and I can have about you know, the BP money and where we are in that process and why it's important for us to be extraordinarily rigorous about how we spend that money. Uh, for the future. I think that's going to be a really important conversation. I can't wait to have you back. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. And uh, again, I think the coast needed a show just like this one. Well, thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate it. It's It's a good conversation. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow morning. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.